Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Cult Leader early and ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Apple Podcasts. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime. That's amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome back to Cult Leader. I'm your cult leader, Spencer Henry, and I'm back with your weekly weirdness, your spooky fix. I was laughing. I got an email this morning with a suggestion that my episodes be longer. And listen, I'm not against it, but my episodes are the way they are for a reason. One, I'm here alone, okay? There's no one to bounce off of. There's no co-host here. I I also just want to give you the goods. I feel like there's so many podcasts that are like 40 minutes of talking about other things, 20-ish minutes of the actual story, which I love when I'm in that mode, but my brain capacity and attention span cannot handle more than 30 minutes on most days. I also was laughing because I saw a comment yesterday on the post for the last episode that was like uh did Spencer talk more about Ed and Lorraine or did I miss that and then I was like oh yeah I definitely said I would talk more about them at the end of the episode and I just never did so here's the quick rundown they were this dynamic duo of paranormal investigators who actively participated in a lot of really infamous stories uh they were part of the Amityville horror Annabelle all the stories related to the conjuring universe and I just really like them because when you watch interviews with them you can tell how into their work they are Ed the husband was a demonologist and his wife Lorraine was a medium so together they investigated over 10,000 cases they also ran the what's it called I think it's just called like the Warren's Occult Museum it was out of the back of their house in Connecticut and I I always wanted to go I don't think it's there anymore or open to the public anymore which is where the real Annabelle doll lives I, I guarantee some of you have been there so please share your experiences with me I don't know they just seem like a cool spooky couple and they definitely had a pretty fascinating 
fascinating run and a lot of good stories. And you guys, I cannot believe we're halfway through December. What a weird year. That means we only have two more episodes after today for 2020. And I got a lot of really nice messages during this pandemic so far from you guys. The most constant one that I've heard was just thanking me for keeping you company during a hard year. And I cannot always reply, but just know that like same, I could not have done this year without this cult. But that's that's enough of that. As you probably know from the title of today's episode, it's gonna get gross. That's your warning. We're talking about a man named Daniel Rakowitz, and boy, did he suck. I'm surprised this story isn't honestly more well-known. This was definitely one of those episodes when I was doing research, I kept pausing because I'm like, I need to tell somebody what is happening. So like Olivia would call me and she'd be like, do you think this frame looks good here? And I'd be like, yeah, for sure. Also, listen to this. And she, she hated hearing it. So I know you guys will love it. Daniel Rakowitz was born on December 24th of 1960. How appropriate. A Christmas Eve baby. No wonder he had such a god complex you'll see later on. Maybe it's a Sagittarius thing. I don't know. He was the third son of Anthony John Rakowitz and Velma Jean. His mom, (laughs) Velma, she wore an orange turtleneck and glasses. She was part of this uh, gang they rode around in a mystery van. I'm, I'm just kidding. Do you see what I did there? I just pranked you into thinking that Velma was the Velma from Scooby-Doo, which is just not the case, all right? Now, Velma, his mom had actually been married once before in 1951, and her and her first husband called it quits, and she got married to Anthony a year later in 1952. And then they went on to have their first son, Anthony Jr., and then their second son, Julian Roy, and then, of course, their grand finale, Daniel. He had a pretty interesting childhood. The family traveled a lot. The dad, Anthony, was in the military and worked in the Army's Criminal Investigation Division, so his work brought them all around, sometimes internationally. We see some tragedy pretty early on. They were in France in October of 1963 when Daniel's mom, Velma, had a heart attack and died in their hotel room. Relatives later said that Daniel, who was only three years old at the time, witnessed his mother's death and that it definitely played a role in his later wrongdoings, which I mean, sure, there's trauma, but when you hear what he went on to do, I don't think it's relative. I mean, my dad died when I was three, and I, you know, I never killed anybody. I guess I started a cult, so you know, it is what it is. They had a funeral for Velma back in Oklahoma, and Anthony was now left alone with the children as a single father. But he wouldn't be alone for long, because just three months later, he married Velma's sister, who was 12 years his junior. <laughs> Three months later, like, that's pretty sketch to me. I just, I just can't imagine you have moved through the grieving process and found your next romance within 90 days, let alone to your wife's little sister. I don't know. Bizarre. How bizarre? How bizarre. In 1965, Anthony retired from the army and became a deputy sheriff in their town of Rockport, Texas. Daniel was not an easy kid. He was constantly in and out of trouble, and he had a pretty rocky relationship with his dad. Daniel was taken to a lot of mental health specialists throughout his younger years, and he was allegedly institutionalized a few times in his teen years due to bullying at school and just overall struggles with his grief from losing his mom at such a young age. When he was around 14, he received shock therapy, which who knows what that even does to a person. He often rebelled against his authoritarian father and started experimenting with drugs to deal with his feelings, which, you know, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. I think when he was like 19, 
2019, his dad, uh, this is after like years of a tumultuous relationship, his dad found some weed in his room and he actually took him down to the police station and had him charged with possession, which like, okay, dad, you narc. It just feels crazy to me to do that to your kid. But I guess like if it's the last straw and you're sick of them, Daniel eventually ends up getting kicked out after yet another altercation with his dad. And he sort of just becomes a drifter bouncing around place to place for a few years. Now let's go to 1983. Daniel's 22 years old and he marries a 14-year-old girl, apparently legal in Texas at the time, which is so mind-blowing to me. There isn't much information about this girl. She'll come up kind of towards the end of the story. But Daniel was awful, as you can imagine. He was super abusive. He would batter his wife. He chained her to a refrigerator. And when he was later asked about this time in his life, he responded like, she wanted me to chain her. He wanted me to do all these things. So clearly dude's got some issues. Their relationship obviously inevitably fails. And within two years, they had separated. By 1985, he has made his way to New York, and he was now drifting around the big city. Apparently, he had a vision, which is what led him to this move to the East Coast, giving me very much that So Raven vibes. Who knows where they actually got the concept for that show? Now, lots of people in this area that he moved to in Tompkins Square uh, were living in tents, and it was like this mixture of houseless encampments and these nice brownstone apartments that were being gentrified, and it honestly sounds kind of like downtown LA, where you have a street of people living in tents, and then $3,500 apartments across the way. He moved there at a time when things were going through this sort of transition phase in the city. A lot of investors were buying these brownstones that had sat vacant and they were fixing them up to sell them. And they knew they'd be able to rent them out as this specific part of the city was kind of on the up and up. The issue was a lot of the brownstones, like I said, had stood vacant. So people were squatting in these apartments, Daniel himself on occasion, and it led to utter chaos. On August 8th of 1988, there was a full-on riot in Tompkins Square Park when police told the people living in the encampments that they needed to leave. And luckily for Daniel, he would soon find a place to call home. So let's talk about Daniel. Let's talk about who he is. I want to talk about his vibe during this time. He's kind of druggy, kind of sus. He was definitely the guy you would do acid with and would go into this full-on conversation about his birth time and the date equaling a numerical sequence that told him he was a reincarnated of a religious prophet and those around him at the time were just kind of like yeah if he was a little more uh charismatic he definitely could have started a cult and he wanted to he definitely has like the modern interpretation of jesus's look right the long hair the beard not a super bad looking guy at least at the time, and he really did have compassion for all of the people that were struggling around him. He could usually be found in Tompkins Square or Washington Square Park selling weed. It's how he kind of got by, and he was hard to miss as he usually had his pet rooster, aptly named Rooster, on his shoulder. It was while selling weed in Washington Square Park that he first met Sylvia, a 27-year-old nursing assistant, and the two began chatting, and he ended up becoming a roommate, moving into the apartment Sylvia shared with her then boyfriend Sean. Here's the cool thing about covering a semi-recent case. They actually did a lot of interviews with both Sean and Sylvia afterwards, so we have a lot of accurate accounts of what was going on. Both of them have said that Daniel seemed normal. They again emphasized, well, normal with a grain of salt, and emphasized his compassion for others. He would often hang outside the door of their local grocery market, asking for donations from people for potatoes, bread, veggies, chicken, and then he would return home with 30 to 40 pounds of food, 
cook it all up, and then bring it back to Tompkins Square to feed the people that were living on the street at the time. He knew what it was like to struggle and be without a home, so it was kind of his way of giving back and the community appreciated him for it. What I can't stop thinking about is imagine the rooster that's always just chilling on his shoulder. Like, was he there when he was watching this dude cook chickens in front of you? Like, what do you do? He was probably like, oh, fuck. Like, I'm next. I'm going in the pot. Eventually, Daniel would start to get on the couple's nerves. The rooster would apparently crow and cackle. Eventually, one night, Sylvia is like, okay, dude, you need to shut him up. So Daniel took a sock and put it over the rooster's head and it went to sleep. And I guess this was now like their nightly routine. He'd put the sock on him. He'd lay down, kicking his legs out straight and go to sleep. Sylvia said the first time that he did that, she thought the rooster was dead. But you know, he's just snoozing. And fun fact, cold babes, I actually used to raise chickens and I know how to hypnotize them and make them fall asleep. So if you ever need my services, let me know. That That's a field that I could be venturing into if this whole thing doesn't work out. But anyway, Anyways, in addition to these animal antics, he would also go off on these strange tangents sometimes, telling his roommates, like, I am the Lord of Lords, and by 1996, I am going to be president. Spoiler alert, he uh, did not, in fact, become president. He also told them that by 1992, his followers would take over which same and that if they thought Hitler was something they haven't seen anything yet which you know what Daniel I was almost with you up until this point he spread this ideology to really anybody who would listen to him and a lot of people in the area just kind of wrote it off like eh, this dude's tripping on something so long story short Sylvia and Sean end up breaking up a couple months into the lease and Sean moves out and then shortly after Sylvia decides that she also wants to leave the city they had been splitting the $500 rent and Daniel was fucked because he knew he wouldn't be able to pay it for himself, but luckily he finds a new roommate in the park one day. 26-year-old Monica Beerley. Monica had moved to New York from Switzerland to attend a dance school in the city, but she had to pay her own way, so she ended up taking a job at a local skis bar called Billy's Topless, which you can imagine. Monica happened to be looking for a place to stay, so she ends up moving in to take over their the other half of the run. The rooster's still there, so it's, it's kind of like the show Friends, except if Joey was like a satanic pothead. Monica was a free spirit, and guys would come and go from the apartment constantly. Daniel would get really jealous of these guys that she brought home, and it's been said they were strictly roommates, but others' uh, stories have reported that they were dating. And what it, the common theme that I think that I see in all of this is it seems like Monica was not feeling that way towards Daniel, but it seems like Daniel very much felt that way towards Monica. His jealousy would soon have some deadly consequences and we'll have more on that after this quick word from our sponsor. Cult Leader is sponsored by BetterHelp. Cult Babes, what's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Are you hitting the gym, hitting the sheets for a little nap, looking at your neighbor's house on Zillow? Really though, if time was unlimited, how would you use it? How would you decide what's important enough to make time for? Unfortunately, time is not unlimited, but fortunately, therapy can help you figure out what matters to you so you can do more of it. That's one of my biggest takeaways from therapy, figuring out where to devote time to make the rest of my life easier. I could go on forever about how much less stressful life is once I learn to prioritize my time, but why don't you see for yourself? Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash leader today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash leader. 
Whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, all in a single sugar-free stick. Liquid IV is perfect for daily use before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, or on long flights. Basically, anytime you need a pick-me-up, however you hydrate. Grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier Sugar-Free in bulk nationwide at Costco. Or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WONDERY at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WONDERY at liquidiv.com. Sylvia met Monica during the moving process, and both Sylvia and Sean say that she treated Daniel like shit from the beginning. Daniel seemed really into her, and Monica seemed to take advantage of it, and Sylvia says it was clear from the get-go that Monica wanted the apartment for herself. Monica's friends, however, later said that it was Daniel who began acting stranger and stranger, and that they prompted her to get rid of him. The real drama happens when the OG lease that Daniel was under with his roommates is now coming to an end, and Daniel has no real proof of income. Luckily, Monica can prove her income, so she's got a better shot at keeping the place for them. She ends up signing for the apartment, but shortly after, she tells Daniel he needs to move out, which, like, it's kind of fucked up, because, like, yes, sis, you paid for it, but to be fair, it was his apartment to begin with. Needless to say, the news did not sit well with Daniel, and he ends up flying into a violent rage. It's two days before the Moida, August 17th, a Thursday. Daniel's walking with Sylvia to the train station, and the two share a joint. They're shooting the shit and he tells her like listen i can't take monica anymore i've had enough i'm gonna kill her tomorrow will you come to the apartment tomorrow and help me get rid of the body and sylvia's like yeah i actually can't do that for you she doesn't really read too far into it though because daniel says a lot of crazy things and she knew that he was just coming from a place where he was really terrified of ending up on the streets again now let's cut to saturday night august 19th sylvia had moved out of the apartment but she still kept some of her belongings there while she was in this moving process she walks past the apartment building and she looks up and she sees that it's dark inside and immediately she says she felt like something was wrong she decides to go upstairs to the unit she hears daniel's tv blasting from the kitchen nobody seems to be home she walks down the hallway to monica's room knocks on the bedroom door but no answer Answer. She walks back into the kitchen and she notices a pot on the stove. And in the pot is a severed, burnt head belonging to 26-year-old Monica. Sylvia panics. She runs to the bathroom, but as soon as she peeks into the doorway, she can see a horrifying scene in the bathtub. There's a rib cage with nothing but bone, a bathtub full of blood. Remnants of human guts covered the parameter. Sylvia runs out of the apartment and she pages Daniel's beeper from a payphone. Daniel, did you do it? He responds, yeah, you saw it, Sylvia? Yes. He asks her to come meet him at the apartment and smoke a joint with him, and she tells him that she can't go back there, so they meet up at the park, which, like, I'm sorry. Is she not a little sus about meeting up with him? They meet up, and he apologizes and starts telling her what happened. He said it wasn't just him, and he had a friend over from the Satanic Church in Brooklyn, and things got out of hand. Monica had come up to him at some point that evening and said, you have to leave by tomorrow, and if you don't, my friend with a pit bull is going to come and get you out. I guess the friend told Daniel, why haven't you killed her? And so Daniel grabs an extension cord and wraps it around Monica's neck as she walked back into her bedroom. He then proceeded to strangle her. 
While he's telling Sylvia the story, he pauses to show her the scratches on his arm from the fight. After he strangled her, he stomped on her head and then proceeded to stab her over 30 times with a 13-inch carving knife. He dismembered the body limb by limb, using the chest bone to cut off the flesh. He took a metal pole and broke down the bones as small as he could, and then proceeded to flush the flesh down the toilet. And then, of course, the cannibalism. Daniel, along with this alleged friend of his from the Satanic Temple, boiled Monica's head on the stove and ate her brains. They made additional soup that was allegedly shared with the community. A few days later, Sylvia saw Daniel in Tompkins Square Park. Daniel said to her, Sylvia, it's starting to smell up there. And she tells him, Daniel, you're gonna have to like figure it out because they're gonna find out they're gonna lock you up you're gonna go to a psychiatric hospital and I don't want to see that happen to you and so he tells her I'm gonna clean it all up so you can come up there and Sylvia said well when it's clean let me know after word started to spread of the horrific murder mostly by Daniel bragging to his friends the police are eventually notified and on September 8th they launch an investigation initially the police didn't believe it They do two searches of the apartment and they don't find anything, but eventually they interview Sylvia, who tells them everything. On Monday, September 18th, the NYPD interview Daniel and he admits everything. He tells them the graphic details about cutting off the flesh and how he flushed it down the toilets, which I think later they did end up going through the pipes and finding remnants. He cleaned the bones because he allegedly wanted to send them to Monica's mother, so after he boiled them, he put them into a bucket and covered the top with kitty litter, and the police did end up finding the bucket later on in a storage locker at Port Authority and confirming that the remains did belong to Monica. The case goes to trial, and it's all over the press. The Tompkins Square murderer, man, boils roommate's head, and the trial was pretty straightforward because... I mean, he admitted what he had done. Daniel's ex-wife, the 14-year-old from Texas, made an appearance sometime during his trial. I don't know if it was the original trial or if it was a trial later on, just to testify about Daniel's character and the abuse that she endured while she was with him. And on February 22nd of 1991, a New York jury found 31-year-old Daniel Rakowitz not guilty by reason of insanity, and sent him to the Kirby Forensic Psychiatric Center on New York City's Ward Island, which is where he remains today. I have a lot of questions, mainly pertaining to Sylvia. Well, one, I do wish we had a little more information on what Monica Beerley's life was like, but I think partially because of the timing of everything and partially because she was an immigrant from Switzerland, I don't think there is a ton of information out there. I searched pretty thoroughly trying to find more info on her, but other than physical descriptions, those types of things, I wasn't finding much. But I'm super confused by Sylvia because, one, I think it's so strange that she didn't say anything to the police beforehand. I mean, I guess maybe if she really didn't think he was going to do anything, but even after going into the apartment and finding that horrifying, that fucked up of a crime scene, you don't go to the authorities, but you're down to meet up with him and multiple times without saying anything. I don't know. It seems really sketchy to me. I did some research, some looking up of Daniel, like what he's been up to. Well, I, we know we know where he's been, but what he's been up to. And I did find like a few letters because there's people that have, you know, written in because some people choose to do that. I cannot wrap my mind around why. I saw one letter where he wrote somebody as recent, it is recent. It was in April of this year, actually talking about social distancing at the prison, his love for DVDs and his 
favorite game that he plays, Magic the Gathering. So I don't know. I guess that's what he's been up to. I read a court transcript from a 2005 hearing about possible release or moving him to a lesser secured facility. Uh, but everybody agreed that he refused to accept full responsibility for Monica's murder and that he keeps saying that he was unjustly hospitalized. So it's probably, yeah, better off keeping him somewhere secure where they can keep an eye on him. Anyways, let me know what you guys think. Would you ever help your friend hide a body? I promise I won't show the police. Don't forget to follow along online at Cult Leader Podcast. I'm at Spencer Henry and that's all. Until next time, if the roosters are crowing, you better get going. Goodbye. CNN article, Man Boyle's Roommate, the story of Daniel Rackland. Goodbye. For today's episode came from the following sources. Village Voice article, The Untold Story of the Tompkins Square Murder by Max Cantor, Wikipedia, Murderpedia, True Crime Daily, New York Times article by Robert Sullivan titled Man Acquitted of Killing and Boiling Roommate, U.S. Court Case, Rakowitz v. Consilvio. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Cult Leader early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. The wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Bing! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. Okay, so, um... Matt, this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. (laughs) Judy Justice, only on Freebie.